0: Y'all, we wouldn't be here without Youth Scene, the organization that sponsors this podcast, How to Be Queer. Youth Scene envisions a society where young people are empowered as individuals to access non judgmental and unbiased treatment in every aspect of their lives. They encourage the creative creation of a community that celebrates everyone's worth, d- diverse characteristics, and dignity. Youth Scene provides mental wellness, resources, education, and support for all the LGBTQ communities, including youth and their families. So head on over to youth scene. that's youth S-E-E-N.org, and click on connect to give your money to support this organization dedicated to supporting our queer, trans, black, indigenous people of color communities. Pew. Hello, balls of magic. Welcome back to another episode of How to Be Queer Podcast. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they them.
1: Hey, hey, hey. <laughs>
0: you doing some puzzle
1: over there. You know, hi, it's Kim pronouns, she, her, and, um, welcome back to how to be queer. we we took a hot moment, didn't we? We did. We had some
0: technical difficulties that we figured out. But, oh my God. Um... We had
1: tech difficulties. We've had life difficulties. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. We just, we are, we are two really busy mamas and humans and all, all the things. So yeah. I'm happy to be back though. I've kind of missed podcasting. I gotta be honest. I've missed it. Me too. I've been craving it. Yeah. I think that there's um, a bit of, we work some shit out on here. I think we do too. And lack of a better word. Is that okay to say we work, we work our own shit out. And then our audience is forced to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. They seem <laughs> to like us in some form or another. I don't know why I keep saying we're this highly produced podcast and people keep coming back for more. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy y'all are here. Me too. Uh, we've missed you. Just as hopefully, you've missed us. Um, we are. We got to say, we got to do all the things though. Alex, who we brought you to to everybody by. We are powered by Youth Scene. Go check them out at
0: youth s e e n s e e n dot org. I kind of love that every time you spell it, or I yeah. do. Well, I don't want anyone to, you know, not be able to find them.
1: I wouldn't want anybody not to be able to find us either. Like, that would be a disaster because you'd seen is amazing and they keep letting us do this highly produced podcast. They do. And they keep saying, like, no, we want more. And I'm like, really? <laughs> You really want more of this? Okay. It's really well thought out. So here's the feedback that I think I get about our podcast is that people, people, people like us for some reason. I don't know why, because I feel like we don't really have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we do. We've got, we've got like most people that are, you know, we've got our, our family. We do. Right. Which is our friends and our family. Yeah. Our friends that have become family. Yes, maybe it's because, because, because half my family was like, she queer, we out. <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, oh, I don't even know if I want to go into that, but I, I I, do know that I have some family member that is listening. Because I, I know, because they're telling other family members that they're listening. And then it's getting back to my dad, who's coming back to you and I being like, no, 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 the family's listening. And if you're Italian, you know what I'm talking about when I say the family's listening.
0: Well, the truth stretches to the epic ends of the universe.
1: Yeah. So if you are my family member and you're listening, like just, just, just tell me, Hey, hi, hi. I'm sure you're wanting to be supportive. So, okay. Hey, family. (laughs) <laughs> Alex what are we talking about today
0: we have I mean a couple uh, several things to talk about yeah, um, we're, we we're, we're catching up but we're also um, we've both been reading this book oh, called the body. Comes. the body is not an apology the power of radical self-love by Sonia Renee Taylor and let me tell you folks this book is it's fucking messing me up Oh, see, I was going to say it's incredible.
1: (laughs) just goes to show.
0: No, No. no, I think it's hilarious because it messes me up too. Because it constantly, (laughs) it it makes you challenge the way you look at yourself.
1: Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about like, so you brought this book home and you're like, oh my God, can we have to read this book? This is me impersonating you. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Let me lower my voice. Okay. Hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You got to read this book. Okay. And the book is the body is not an apology yeah and i took one look at this book and i was like yeah no i'm not gonna
0: read this folks she literally was like no i'm not reading that i would i
1: i and and i'm only gonna equate it to when you know somebody's like you gotta take this medicine and you're like i don't want to take the medicine i'm like a toddler you you
0: you looked at the you looked at you're like this, this person has my number. I'm out. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Because first of all, the cover is beautiful. It has a, yeah. a, you know, it's this beautiful, um, and I'm not sure if she identifies as black or African-American, but either way, she's this beautiful woman with almost like these purple, like, like she's imposed herself on a butterfly. Like it's stunning. Yeah.
0: With flowers on her nipples and.
1: And and there's some flowers that are looking like they're between her legs, and there's yeah. this beautiful like it's, crown or like halo effect. Like it's stunning. Yeah. And it, and sometimes in life, maybe you do look at things, and I'm like, this person is probably going to tell me all the things that I know I need to do, and I don't want to do. So I'm not reading this <laughs> book, Alex. It took you a few months well, to pick and, it back up. Right. Because I picked it up and I did my usual thing where I like speed read through a bunch. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't need this book. <laughs> I don't need this book, which, you know, is like, the thing which that is like, like alert, like, alert, alert, must
0: read this book.
1: Yeah. So I didn't want to read the book, but then I sat down and in one day I just basically read the whole book and I'm not going to say I sobbed into the book. But I definitely, you know how, I, and I don't know if anybody else, like, you know, you did this when you were a student, but you like had your highlighter mm-hmm. and then you, you know, like underline a sentence and then you'd be like, but all the other sentences are like this deeper learning. And then you end oh, up yeah. highlighting the whole book and yeah. you're like, so my highlighter basically had no purpose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. That's how I felt the same way with this book. And that's how, that's what I ended up doing. Highlight the whole I highlighted the whole thing. So in one of our, so in, in our conversations, Alex, one of the things that you and I have, um, so we're going to just come with us listeners, because you know, that this is how Alex and I do, we're going to go in a giant circle and we're somehow going to get to a point. Uh-huh. Are we going to get to a point? We always do. <laughs> always.
0: <laughs> not not always. Always or never two words don't use.
1: <laughs> so what we hear from folks who listen to our podcast. And again, thank you because we're highly produced and greatly appreciate your support. Thank you. you Scene. seen, thank you. you Scene, seen for letting us ramble on like this, but a very, a conversation that you and I have a lot is we do talk about our physical bodies and how our physical bodies show up in this world. Yes. This is a very common conversation for us. Yes. Have. And not just because you identify as a non-binary transmasculine individual. <laughs> You're giggling at me. I'm
0: wondering where it's going. I don't know where it's going,
1: but this is a conversation we have a lot about, like you you always be like, just sink into your body. What, you know, where, where you're feeling because you, you love to talk to me about feelings and I'm like, no, let's talk about facts and data.
0: <laughs> we need both.
1: I guess <laughs>
0: that's why we work well. So together,
1: and you mean between the two of us, we make one whole really wonderful person. I think I think so. <laughs>
0: one of us lives in the clouds and one of us is like on the earth i'm just kidding And the We're clouds
1: the- so like the cl- like because i know we kind of joke like you are very much you live up in the clouds with feelings and then you bring it back down to earth and i feel like my feet are are totally on earth and then i'm like right i'm supposed to feel shit too yeah well i think and i, I sometimes i'll watch stuff on
0: tiktok and instagram about empaths
1: and, and that's you right
0: yeah and and really <laughs> Really, like empaths come from a tremendous amount of trauma. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and that you've somehow just, you know, transformed all the things, all, all the all the knowingness you have about the world and about yourself into all these feelings. But the challenge that I recognize for myself is that, um, especially over the past few years, is yay, it's great. Well first of all, there was a, there was a time where I called myself an open book and I couldn't have been further from the truth that I actually did, did not understand feelings, my own feelings at all. (laughs) And yeah. And (laughs) so I call myself on my own bullshit. And then, so you go, you really like go up in the clouds and it's, it was actually, it's a little bit of like escapism, you're avoiding the way you feel, and I don't want to live like that. No. like I want to stay on Earth um, connected and understand how I feel, which helps me understand other people as well.
1: Well, and I guess I have the same I mean I think we all I would imagine unless you're a sociopath <laughs> like you you want to understand how you feel and how that relates to others and how others feel and take their. It, it's just the method in which I guess you go about it, right? Yeah. so I think I am also a per, like i I have gone through a number of different things in life, like everybody. Mm-hmm. We all love our shit. We oh, all love our yeah. stuff. yeah. but I was so raised in the school, and my mom was on, I think probably the last podcast we did was with Grammy. And my mom was like, "Oh, no, 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 we were taught to shove it down, shove those feelings down, like bottle them up. Don't think about it. You can't be in the clouds. You need to be very much like one, you know, just keep going. And my dad is very much of a data. Like he's, um, I really admire my dad for this. My dad for this, he's an amazing brain Mm -hmm. of, um, taking in information Mm -hmm. and then using that to make decisions, to understand how he feels and, um, Where I find it really fascinating to be around people that are like, no, I feel, and then how does that, how do I make sense of that? Maybe sometimes by pulling in data and then I'm like, right, it makes sense how I feel. Yeah. Well, it's
0: like what, what, what Brene Brown said that we're not thinking machines who feel we're feeling machines who think.
1: Yeah. I totally disagree with (laughs) Brene on that. Fuck you, Brene Brown. Oh my God, I feel like since I said that, like I'm gonna get shot down. We're gonna eventually
0: one day be talking (laughs) with her on a podcast and be like, there was this one time where Kim told you to fuck
1: off. And then I was like really scared that like something was gonna happen to me. Oh, Captain Underbite has something home, please. How does he find the shit? he's like, Look, I brought you some toilet paper. Do you need to wipe your nose? (laughs) Okay, thanks. Oh, again, thank you folks for listening to this highly produced podcast. We're so professional. Okay.
0: He brought me some too.
1: He's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Is it
0: wrong to call your dog a dick? He he no, he's fine. He's <laughs> looking at me and he's
1: like, <laughs> I'm
0: totally happy. No, there's no, no barking. He's
1: not gonna he, he's he's no not barking right now. Okay, so Alex, we okay we 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 are gonna talk about gender dysphoria. today is, is our topic and we're going to pull it back into the body is not an apology. Um, I of course (laughs) have facts and data for everyone, Mm -hmm. um, around different ways that you may have been led to feel in your body. And you are going to share with us a little bit about what body dysphoria is in your identity as a non-binary trans person. Okay. Does that feel right? Sure. Does that feel like what we said we were gonna do? Yes. (laughs) You see one Sure. Uh oh. Uh -oh.
0: (laughs) She's not playing.
1: Okay. Okay. So I want to give like a little bit of a definition for people first because dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is, is something where it's actually it, it's specific and not specific. So I want to give like a little bit of terminology. If you're like, what what the hell are these two Yahoo's talking about with their their dogs bringing them weird shit? And Kim hates Brene Brown and is scared of being struck down by <laughs> lightning right now for saying that. Okay, I don't really hate Brene. She just makes me uncomfortable. Okay, gender d- dysphoria is a sense of unease or distress with a person's gender. It can manifest in very different ways which can make it very difficult to define and describe at its core. Gender dysphoria is a feeling of dissatisfaction associated with a mismatch between a person's gender assigned at birth and their gender identity. So I feel like I just gave like a bunch of, so gender assigned at birth, Alex, remind everybody like gender assigned at birth is literally like your mother births you and the doctors look between your legs and they say,
0: yeah, um, they say it's a boy, it's a girl. They, someone else decides your gender for you at birth, which is not true.
1: Right. It, that's simply just based on organs.
0: Yeah. Body parts. You're the more um, uh, what's the word um, per,
1: the appropriate. I don't know. Terms is um, sex assigned at birth. Right. And this is, they're still defining gender dysphoria as gender assigned at birth. And really it's just about body parts.
0: Yeah. I mean, you gen- were
1: born and somebody looked at your body parts and said, it's a boy or it's a girl.
0: Yeah. It's okay. a symptom of our social construct of gender,
1: which is bullshit. bullshit. Okay. And um, so, so again, it, at its core, gender dysphoria is a feeling of dissatisfaction associated with a mismatch between a person's really what they mean to say is sex assigned at birth, not gender, but it does get translated into gender. Yeah. Um, and their gender identity how do you feel about reminding everybody what gender identity means? Um,
0: well, that it lives between your ears. Which
1: right. Which part? Yeah. Yeah, like your gender really is how you feel.
0: Yeah, it's how you feel. I think people, and then um, I won't go too far into this because you can listen to other episodes and listen to it. But and then, gender expression
1: and presentation get mushed into identity. And it's not. And it's not. It's not the same thing. Like my expression is could be anything from like I I'm I decided to cut six inches of my hair off and I put some mascara on and today I want to wear a dress tomorrow I want to wear a pantsuit like those are all just expressions of how I may feel about gender on any given day. Yeah, androgyny
0: and, and expression. Yeah, cl- cl- things don't have gender. Clothes, haircuts, makeup. Speaking of like a TikTok uh comment video i just did recently that you know someone was like well, you wear makeup how can you be trans i'm like did anyone treat teach you that makeup has no gender
1: do they need to like go to the 1980s and see like punk rock bands
0: i know i told them i'm like have you ever met um aerosmith have you ever seen bon jovi bon jovi Think of
1: poison
0: poison those kiss. boys
1: loved a freaking like black hole eyeliner right I mean, I, I like it too, but I don't know that I necessarily think like eyeliner. I'm such a girl like David
0: no. Bowie, Mick Jagger. Oh, like, it. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We need to stop thinking that. And we're going to get into like beauty products. Ooh, we got somebody calling us. Listen, not now,
0: Georgia. No, thanks.
1: Oh God. yeah. Okay. Anyway. But yeah. I. I so body dysmorphia though is different. Yes. And so body dysmorphia can I read along? Uh, do you mind if I read like a long thing of this? Sure. This. Okay. Is, yeah, I found this. So body um, dysmorphic disorder is a mental health condition in which you can't stop thinking about one or more perceived defects or flaws in your appearance. I mean, there's like a whole bunch here, but I would say I, I feel like I know a lot of people, regardless of how, like whatever they feel about gender, that body dysmorphia is very real. Like I know a lot of people, like I would describe myself to some extent with body dysmorphia,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it can be something like, you know, someone gets fixated on that their eyes are too far apart or.
1: That makes me think of the girl from the queen's gambit. Oh, (laughs) her eyes were far apart and she was one of the most extraordinary humans I've ever seen on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But, but I imagine like people were like, her eyes are falling apart. Yeah, the fuck they are. And she's fucking gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, all Unusual. this usual. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, uh, all this dys- dysphoria and d- dysmorphia is just that we have set this idea of what we should look like. Oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we're going to get there. Okay. Okay. So keep going.
1: Okay. So here's, here's what I'm hoping you're going to be willing to talk about a little bit. Okay. You ready to like open up a vein? Okay. Okay. So do you feel you ever went through a period of gender dysphoria?
0: Of gender dysphoria. So
1: a sense of unease or distress with a person's gender and it can manifest in different ways. Mm-hmm. So talk to you, cause we get, we Alex, we yes. get a lot of listener mail uh-huh. from folks that are somewhere in transition. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is why it's amazing that you're always willing to open yourself up. (sighs) Yay. No, I'm kidding. No, I
0: it's, it's fine.
1: No, it's like for good, right?
0: It is. It is. Cause I didn't have, I didn't have any, anybody. I was just going to go there. Yeah. I I didn't have anybody talking about it or being honest. And so like, I really enjoy talking about it. Not because I want to, you know, it's all about me. It's just like visibility and um, having that be like, oh, right. You're not alone.
1: Totally. And I think, I guess the reason, like I mentioned all of these different types of dysphoria and dysmorphia, because it, it is actually important to know the difference between them, Yeah, right? That when we're talking about gender dysphoria, which is again, the sense of unease or distress with your gender is different from body dysmorphia.
0: Yes. So dysph-
1: dysphoria and dysmorphia so two different things. Um, that body dysmorphia it's like, you know, maybe you're obsessed about your weight or your eyes are, you know, the the placement of your eyes on your head or your, you know, the size of your chin, the size of your nose, the size of your breasts. Your yeah. me like if you've seen me in person, like I have a booty that's like JLo, Kim Kardashian like somehow theirs got mashed together <laughs> and created a super booty. You hot. Which is what is on my body. <laughs> I may have at one time had a little bit of dysmorphia because of this. And now I'm just like, this is a partly too though why I'm obsessed with J Lo. Yeah. Because she came on to the scene when it was like the 90s waves, like Kate Moss, yeah. and she was like bam in that Versace green dress. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm gonna love J Lo forever. Mm-hmm. Because she was a different type of body that came on, and I was like, my butt looks like hers. Now granted the rest of me doesn't look like her, but my butcher does. Yeah. Do you think she, yeah, she's, I, this is why I love JLo anyway, but so dysmorphia, um, dysphoria, these are different
0: things. People with, with extreme body dysmorphia and there's, there's like, you know, shows on, on, on Netflix where they will seek out
1: repeated you know surgeries. These are like the people that were like, I'm botched on E right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah, but then there's physical dysphoria, which is a feeling of wrongness that can cause distress. and it's specifically in with regards to primary sex characteristics, which could be genitals or secondary sex characteristics, which could be facial hair, Adam's apple, breast hips, weight distri- distribution. Yeah, so here's what I'm going to say like for non-binary folks though, this can be particularly complicated because they may feel physical, dysphoria around their primary or secondary characteristics, but you're not able to articulate actually what an alternative is.
0: Yeah. That's hi. Welcome to my world every single day.
1: Okay. So tell us more about that, Alex. Well, I
0: experienced, you know, I I used to, before I knew I would lump social gender dysphoria and physical gender dysphoria into the same thing. And and they're obviously not. I experience a lot more social gender gender dysphoria than I do um physical gender dysphoria.
1: And I, social gender dysphoria yeah. is when people are required to do tasks that are associated with gender roles that do not fit their gender identity.
0: Yeah. I experience this a lot at the gym
1: so i want to like can we dig into this a little bit sure okay so give me some examples like so a social gender dysphoria and you just mentioned the gym being one Mm -hmm. what are like tell me a little bit about like what is the gym for you and then what are other social gender dysphoria things that come up and they say that this is culture upbringings identity like what does this look like well in, in a lot of heteronormative
0: um environments um I guess basically like everywhere (laughs) in in the world. So in, in, at the gym, I, you know, it's unsaid, but it's like, if you're in a class, it's like the, the men and the women.
1: Right. Like, so so, you're, you're forced to pick one of those immediately.
0: Yeah. And then, and and you're looking around in the room and it's like, well, you know, this person's picking this way and this person's picking this way. And it's almost like you end up, um, you know, comparing yourself. I'm like, well, I, and, and it's, it's so automatic. I don't mean to do it, but it's, we're so programmed to be binary. Cause it, it's, it's the condition that we're born into. And so it takes a lot of energy to just be like, okay, Alex, you're just here to work out. You're here to move your body. doesn't, doesn't, you don't give a fuck what that female presenting person is lifting it doesn't matter what that male presenting person is lifting you're just going to come do your own thing but it's a lot of energy because i know walking in there that i'm it's like hey ladies you know good job like from the instructor's point of view or like you know let's do some some curtsy lunges or you know or this or that. And so it's everything like the language is so binary and I'm in the class, like I'm not binary. So where do I fit and then, and then I worry about stuff that's totally, I don't need to worry about, but it's cultural, you know, well, well, the dudes are pretty much lifting 25 pounders and up, and then a lot of the and and, and the women are lifting, like um, anything from, from 20 pounds and below and so but if I pick up the 35s, like, or the, or the thirties, like, what does that make me? And then I'm, it's just like, I'm wasting so much. I waste so much energy trying to fit myself into social spaces when I just want to go work out.
1: Yeah. And I think even, so I would say my experience within the gym, and I know that we've talked about this on here before, but like, if you go for a CrossFit workout, yeah, it's always separated and some gyms do a little bit better of a job than other where they're like, okay, men, this is what prescribed and women, this is prescribed. And then you just do whatever you want. Yeah. But it is still very binary Yeah, into those two assignments. I guess I see social, social gender and I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I have social, like what you would describe as social gender dysphoria, but what I, I'm really curious to see where being socialized as a female to be quiet, polite. And Mm likable is that a part of? Because it's that's not necessarily tied to my gender. That's just straight up like this world is fucked up. And can we actually talk about some of the social grooming Mm -hmm. that we put? And and truthfully, I can't just say it's on female because we know that misogyny and patriarchal standards affects men just as it, it affects anybody. Yeah. Um. But I do think it is a bit of that. You know, we we try to tell our boys like, don't feel toughen up. Um, that's a part of. But I guess the the sense is that you would necess- you would like be like, hey, everybody's telling you you're a boy, and the social and conditioning, all the different types of conditioning you get, your body is screaming to you like, this is not me. Yeah. Okay. That and it can. I mean, that's that was right. Like saying like whole it childhood. Can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it... <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I feel like we put this on kids from the very beginning of sugar spice and everything nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like it's from the very beginnings of when we identify people with a gender just based off of their, you know, sexual biology that comes out. Mm-hmm. And then we put a whole bunch of characteristics on it, which all of it is, is basically bullshit. Mm-hmm. You look really tired all of a sudden. Are you okay? I'm just listening. Yeah taking are you are you thinking about your childhood and you're like fuck let's blow that shit up i
0: think i think the dysphoria um it takes up a lot of energy and so i'm just processing um just what you're saying and then how exhausting the whole system is the whole binary system
1: yeah i think most of us are getting to the point and we're going to talk about um are we going to talk about like generations a little bit in this one, or we're doing that in another one? Because we have a whole bunch of information like like Gen Z and the way that they see this. Oh yeah, versus like Boomers and older. Um, I, I guess we won't go into that today. We can go into another time. But for you in particular, Alex, as a non-binary folks, it, it basically was that you've always been given this choice of like male or female, mm-hmm. and for you, there was never described any other alternative of just being.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so it, um, you know, honestly, it feels that vul- vulnerable, if I'm going to, of course, be vulnerable. It's that I'm, I'm, I'm worrying that, that um, it's the stereotype that like, you know, not, you're just making this up.
1: Oh, so it's that you're not believed.
0: Yeah. That's, that's always in my head. Like, you know, that I'm, you know, walking into wherever I go anywhere, you know, well, just pick a bathroom. Well, just, you know, just, just go in there and do your thing. Like, I'm like, you, you guys don't understand how much energy, like, part of my brain spends every single day trying to fit myself into the world. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't anywhere. And I have to
1: just decide. I fit here. And sometimes you make those decisions based off of safety. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: but I'm, but it can, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to say like, well, I don't really want to like do that. Cause I'm really, and it's, it feels, cause you're the only person who's experiencing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. You feel I have that.
0: <laughs> I got you.
1: I want to blow up every like <laughs> bathroom in the world. I did go, um, a little bit of a, a uh shout, shout out um i went to see choir boy yeah and um ebony um I, I, ebony uh Bonet Benet Coleman, mm-hmm. who did um I, I forget the name of the the um it, alex is going to look it up for me but uh-huh. ebony had invited me to come because she had had this really really beautiful art installation that was a part of choir boy and, um, make a long story short when I was at Choirboy, which I, we will talk about on another podcast because it was, it was amazing to see a piece of like, um, I guess you, it, it's like a Broadway show yeah. and it was so clearly there was some, there was a lot of queer shit in it and it was clearly written by a queer person because the the little, very subtle parts of queer joy came through, which I really loved, but. Um, shout out to Ebony did really, really beautiful art installation that goes along with it. So if you're in Denver and you can go see choir boy, like go see it and go see Ebony's art installation. That's a part of it. Um, where was I going with this? But I noticed that, um, Andrea and I, our friend, Andrea, we went out to dinner before him and we were at a restaurant down, uh, downtown, the Curtis and the corner office. And when I went to go to the bathroom, do you know what the sign outside the bathroom said? What? Whatever. Just wash your hands.
0: Yeah. Yay. I get so the that's like queer joy for me when I go into places and see a bathroom. You, you, you you like,
1: oh, I usually scope it out for you beforehand.
0: That's like partner love right there, like wife <laughs> wife love where you're like, okay, okay, Alex, the bathroom, you have to you have to pick a gender today.
1: <laughs> I think I usually do say that when we go out to you dinner, do. and I'll always go see the bathroom situation first, and then I come back to the table. I'm like, You got picked today, babe. <laughs> What what are you feeling? You feeling boy, you feeling girl. And how about we make that decision based off of safety on the place that we're in? And that's the gender you are today. Exactly. (laughs) Which I'm saying this and I'm like, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Well, we did go out to dinner right before we were podcasting tonight. We went to 24 carat. It was freaking phenomenal as always. And we had a a lovely couple that sat next to us at dinner. Mm -hmm. They never once even questioned like they were just like, they just rolled with us the whole time, which I really appreciated. And the bathrooms at 24 Karat are whatever, just wash your hands. Yeah. Shout out, shout out. Okay. We're off track, but don't go there because that's <laughs> our restaurant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't want
0: it to be overcrowded.
1: I know. So we, no, it's not really that good. <laughs> We'd still like to be able to get in last minute on a Saturday night. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway, um, we're off track. So Alex, the other thing that you wanted to talk about is how, oh, you wanted to, you really wanted to open up like a, you want to bleed out on everybody tonight. Okay. Well, when you ask me to go vulnerable, I'm like, I will get, try to
0: give as much as I can.
1: Okay. I'm going to bring up your notes because your notes are a lot about having sex. Okay. If you are a person that at times may experience gender dysphoria. So Alex, when you've been having sex, hey, um, have you experienced gender dysphoria? Oh, I just I'm sorry, I just went right there with the question. I I tried to give you a warning. It's in your notes, sweetie. Okay. Um y- yes.
0: Um, I'm trying to um Would you like me to get me, you more alcohol before you
1: have this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) What, what question am I answering? (laughs) So the conversation that we had had an understanding that we do get a lot of listener mail from people that are in some, some way, either transition, transitioning, thinking about transitioning and they love when you share this shit with them. (laughs) Yeah, you know, cause your vulnerability does t- tend to, to be the thing that sometimes people need. Yeah. I will say from a partner perspective, when you started, when you were like, so Kim, this is who, who I am. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, I might need to get some information here, right. To show up and be a good partner. There's not a lot out there around what, like as a partner you need to do and, and for people capturing like what it was like for you to go through having a person that you were like, uh, you know, having sex with and you were acknowledging who you are. Yeah. And so how that showed up in your physical body while you were trying to share it with another person. Yeah, there's a bird right outside. No, by the way, too, and it's really distracting. Cam, okay. okay. Um, Well, Doctor
0: Jay so brilliantly has has sh- shared with me years ago. They were like, explore your body, and I was like, huh? <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> and <laughs> I think now I, I understand this to a a much deeper, um, sense, which was, you know, I had obviously never, I had not allowed myself to explore anything about myself. I, so it was exploring my, my physical body, but I was also exploring,
1: um, so many other things as well. So in your physical body, so you had, so can I ask you, I'm just going to ask you all the questions. Yeah. Okay. So pre-transition, you identify you you were not, but you used the language that you were female.
0: Yeah. I actually would say I'm a little bit of a boy and a little bit of a girl. So did you ever say like, you're
1: like, no, I'm just like straight up chick. You never said that?
0: No, there was always like a, like a,
1: like a, <laughs> like, a, like, a like a stone that would like get lodged in my
0: throat when I would say woman or girl, girl was easier because girl was like,
1: Hey girl. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: But you know, woman.
1: Um, yeah. So you, you always kind of like paused on it. I'm a little bit of a, boy, a little bit of a boy, a little bit girl. I think when, yeah. when I had met you, you had given me the, I'm an open book and I feel a little bit like a boy, a little bit like a girl because you didn't have the word non-binary yet. <laughs> translation I don't know who the fuck I am <laughs> at that time you didn't right, right.
0: <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out don't leave me <laughs> okay
1: so when you before you had the language of non-binary even though you felt a little bit of a boy a little bit of a girl yeah when you showed up in physical spaces with people like when you were having I'm going to ask you like when you were having sex it showed did it show up as as more
0: I think it was much it was still binary it would still be like well stereotypical or, yeah. or to- well cuz there's there's a such thing as toxic femininity too do tell so toxic femininity where you're like playing this i i play these extreme sides okay of um of binaryness and because I didn't know how to be in the middle. So you, would you go hyper feminine? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I definitely, I went hyper feminine in like high school when I kind of like, there must've been some, some s- subconscious res- resignation to, okay, you, you will, this is like social suicide. If you actually keep going with who you are
1: so when you would show up so okay so hyper feminine like I think we can all imagine the things that like we would associate more with like hyper feminine and and sex
0: yeah but like the toxic stuff like what you see in porn okay um you know and then for me being it was like you know make sure you wear dresses and skirts and and um Like you, you present a certain way, like, you know, I didn't cut my hair off until I was, I left the house because I got so much shit about my hair and like, I don't fucking care anymore. I'm just going to wait until I leave the house and now I'm going to
1: cut my hair off. I've seen pictures of you from like your early twenties and, and I would have described you as like, um. Like pink, like you well, looked like
0: pink. And I remember when, I think it was 1998 or 99 when Pink came out with, with Take Me Home with her first album. Yeah. I was like, I remember staring at the album cover like, oh my gosh. Like this felt like you. This is, and so I think there's, I've always had, uh, I mean, obviously her, her, her music is amazing, um, but just that, you know, she's, she th- raises a middle finger to gender roles, even though yeah. she's a woman, She call- she's like, I'm a woman and she uses, she her, but she still raises the finger to gender, which I love about which her. Which I love about her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So when you, so, so when you were, um, as you say, kind of like acting out that, that, that part of, of what we think of as, is kind of like toxic, um, femininity, as yeah. you said, when you started to get the language around non-binary, how did that start to show up though for you when you were having sex? Because I do think it's important for, because you went through something very real with this. Yeah. I, I
0: think it gave me permission to start exploring m- more of the the masculine side. And that's what, what I was really hiding.
1: So what we would say, because really when it comes to sex, there is no masculine or feminine. Right but we still attribute those words to movement sexual yeah. movement yeah
0: yeah and 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 how so like i gendered i we we just gender everything yeah and and that's one of the things i talked about I talk about a couple of weeks ago in, in my dance class. I'm like, there's no gender to movement, like thrust your hips. But I'm only saying that because I had to like decon dismantle it for myself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been in your dance class for years and I can tell you, I'm still not a person that wants to thrust my hips. It does not feel comfortable to me. I'm like, I want to like shimmy side to side and be like, Hey, great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what feels natural to me. But I'm like, does that feel natural to me? Because it, is natural to me? Or am I just thinking that because I've never allowed myself the freedom to move out uh, uh, in another way? You're giggling at me. Is it because I'm such a good dancer? <laughs> I'm a horrible dancer. No, you're an amazing dancer. I was just going to, I'm like Chandler Bing from friends. The way I dance. You're not, it's not good. Okay. All right. Okay. What else do you want to tell me about? The way things, so, okay. But I do want to get to this, this one thing though, that, because I, I, I so think about um, if you are a person who is experiencing um, some type of, of, of like, Hey, I'm, I'm maybe in uh, going to transition or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just questioning all of the bill of bill of goods that's been sold to me around the way that I need to show up. And there is actually a list of things that they say, like when you're having sex with someone or you're in an intimate space with somebody, the things that you should do.
0: Yeah. I, I think what I really want to make sure I, I say is that, um, and t- I mean, let's just, I'll just be really, fr- you know, uh, fr- frank with it. I, I'd never had sex with someone who was safe until okay. I met you. and so, um, and safety, I can't even like put it into words. Like I was safe. I learned that I could be safe in my body. Mm -hmm. I could be safe, me with you and then safe you with me.
1: So how did, um, what did say, like when you say safety though, Like, what does, what does safety look like? What did it look like for, for you with intimacy?
0: Well, and I think, um, tying back to our book that my, that I didn't need to apologize.
1: Yeah. Okay. For
0: how I felt, how I wanted to move, how I wanted to be, how I wanted to feel Mm -hmm. or how I felt. Um, I didn't have to apologize for anything. I could just be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exploration and, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about this in the podcast, but you know, there was a time where I, I could not
1: orgasm. orgasm yeah,
0: and it was incredibly uncomfortable and it felt just, it was hard and, um, but you never made me feel like there was something wrong with me.
1: Well, it, <laughs> Well, of course, there's well, nothing wrong. Of, of course, course there's, nothing. there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Um, and people, you know, people, people, people lose their orgasms sometimes.
0: Yeah. It and, happens. It's, it's, and, and, and that doesn't define sex.
1: Well, that's, I guess, the most interesting part of it is that I think we've been taught to think that sex is actually about an orgasm. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. Like,
0: I mean, who doesn't like an orgasm
1: who doesn't like an orgasm who's like yeah you know i'll pass the orgasm today and no like everybody wants <laughs> to have an orgasm let's just be honest it's amazing and it's wonderful and who wouldn't want it at the same time i do think that the you know having the conversations about redefining what sex and intimacy was going to look like and when you take the pressure off of you have to have an orgasm it does innately become more pleasurable because Mm -hmm. then you're just like, and I think it's, you know, for me too, that there's different types of intimacy. Um, I mean, I joke around here uh, quite a bit on this podcast that a really key part of intimacy to me is that when we go to bed tonight at night tonight, um, I literally put like, I sleep in your armpit Yeah, because to me, that's actually a really important part of intimacy because it's, it's, it's warmth and it's snuggling. And I, I do this like wiggle thing like into your body every night. And sometimes that can feel almost even more vulnerable and intimate than an orgasm can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm putting everything, you know, that happens in life outside the door and I'm just going to completely snuggle into your body. And I usually do like a, like this, just total body release.
0: Yeah. And I I think for, in it, it feels like, and and correct me if I'm I'm wrong. I think I'm trying to just, that it it always feels like to me that you're, it's a way that you express a need. Yeah. Which is really, um, part, a a part of intimacy.
1: Well, and I, 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 and for me, um, for me, for me, for me, um, I don't express need. Well, I know, (laughs) So when you, I don't either, well, who does,
0: who does? Yeah. So, so when we, we get, yeah, it's just,
1: yeah. So like me being like, I may not have the words to be like, I need you right now, Mm -hmm. but really when I snuggle into your body at night and I'm like, and I do that deep, I do a wiggle and then I do a deep inhale and exhale. That's me basically saying, I need you to be here with me right now.
0: Sometimes you yell whoop! bait. No, I'm
1: kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we haven't said that in a long time.
1: I know now that we've got married, I don't really shout the whoops anymore.
0: Right. Cause we were, that was, that was pre, it was pre-marriage pre-wife
1: chats. Yeah. Like the, the wife status. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Um, but I do want to just like, I keep saying that tonight. I do want to do blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay. A couple practices though, that yeah. if you are a person, um, maybe potentially going through transition or you're, you're just trying to get back into your body Yeah. and you just, you want to get into your body and, and maybe you, I think this works for whoever you're having sex with. This works right?
0: Yeah. And this article, the, these, these, um, bullet points real quick. I just want to say they're from the, the website for them.com, um, in the editorial section.
1: Yeah. We like for them.
0: We do Okay. on, um, real, the article is called real talk dealing with dysphoria and
1: dissociation during sex. So this is for everybody. Yes. Um, but the first one was notice what you're feeling. Don't try to push away or ignore the feeling. Yeah. So sink into your body, I guess, a little bit. What What's coming up?
0: Yeah. And it can be so easy to just be like, oh my God, this is really vulnerable. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to stop. Are they going to be mad at me if I stop? Mm-hmm. And you will know the safety of the person, you know, just notice what you're feeling. Commun- and then the next one says yeah. says, communicate often. Tell the partners what you need from them, words, actions,
1: reassurances, or a break. Can I just say though, this one in particular, if you are a couple that you are ex- like one of you is experiencing transition as the person who is not transitioning, this one's really important. Like, and if you feel like, oh, I can't tell my partner. Okay. You need to check like in with yourself. Like why are you having sex with somebody that you can't communicate with? Right. Okay. Okay. But if you are the person in this that is not transitioning when your partner is communicating to you, because they should be communicating to you often,
0: mm-hmm.
1: words, actions, reassurances, if it's a break, it's not really about you. Like as the, as the partner, it's just not about you in that moment. It is about your partner yeah, and something your partner needs. I know it can be really, really easy for us to think they're not attracted to me. Are they going to be attracted to me? What does this, you know, you can go down this rabbit hole of thinking that it's about you, your level of attractiveness. Like what if they aren't all this shit and just take a beat and just be like, it's not about me right now.
0: Yeah. I, I remember in though in during that time when, um, I would, yeah, that was an act of love f- for, from you to well for both of us
1: what well, was it yeah I'm, you,
0: I'm really getting into into like intimate territory here that's okay go ahead um that when you know i was having trouble mm-hmm. getting there and understanding what my body was doing and what was happening you would it, you would even say like alex we can
1: it's can okay like we can pause.
0: and it was actually a relief for me because i didn't want to say I didn't want to give myself or because I was, yeah, it was complicated,
1: but, um, you understood and yeah, that's well. And quite honestly, Alex, even if I thought it was about me, I sure shit wasn't going to take up that space. Cause I'm like, yeah, Kim, this is like one time, like you can totally take a beat and be like, this is not fucking about me. <laughs> it's not about me. I love to make everything about me, but in that moment, I was like, not fucking about you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but some of the other things that they say is, is, you know, obviously always make sure you have ongoing consent, right? I think that's and and you can stop whenever you want. So if something's mm-hmm. not, if you're like, I'm out of my body, things aren't feeling right. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Um, try new words for your body during sex um, and maybe see if like more neutral terms, if that, if that can bring you back. And I'd be really curious, like, cause I know, Oh boy, like how intimate are you going to get here? Um, I know Alex for you movement in a certain way can feel very binary. Is that, is that, I don't know how, I, I don't know how to say I'm trying to
0: detach the movement from a um, gender it being binary. Got it. And just going to the way it feels. Cause really I'm also I'm moving the way that feels good. Okay.
1: So move the way that you feels that, that you feel good. And if you need to try new words for it, try new words. Yeah explore yourself, explore yourself. (laughs) We all know what that means. (laughs) Thank you, Monsignor Beerster. (laughs) For those of you who've listened to all of our podcasts, you would know that Monsignor Beerster told me that masturbation was a sin and you would go to hell, but explore yourself, stimulate your body solo and respond to touch with self-awareness. Basically play with yourself.
0: Yep. Cause you're, you're, you got things going on that you will learn about yourself. That's good.
1: I like all this me too. Okay. Do so we want to like, wh- how far into this? Are we time-wise super deep? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Okay. How... Go
0: ahead. Keep going.
1: How... <laughs> um, how, how long have we been chatting?
0: I've not can't miss an opportunity for, <laughs> to make a crass remark. that's why you love me.
1: I love you for a lot of reasons. I don't know that your crass remarks is one of them, but sure.
0: I I bombard you with crass remarks like multiple times a day.
1: You really do. Sometimes I think you've got the humor of like a 12 year old boy. (laughs) It's all good. Okay. How long have we been chatting? I find you so delicious. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Um. I think we've got maybe what fifteen more minutes,
1: ok. I got to talk a little bit about, and I think I have a feeling this book is going to come in like more and more and more and more, but the body is not an apology. Yes. um, the power of radical self-love, Sonia Renee Taylor. ok. So I want to share the story that's that Sonia shares with, like a little bit of where the body is not an apology, where those words came to her. And, um, so Sonia has this friend, Natasha and Natasha is, um, a 30 something and Sonia lives with cerebral policy and is very fearful that if she, um, and she's always fearful, like if she's going to get pregnant. And so Natasha is having a, just like a, a, a total, like, just like a fling with a guy. And so Sonia, who is, is Natasha's friend they're um, Sonia works in like public health. And so her and Natasha are constantly doing like education around like safe sex, sexual health. I I mean, they're basically like public health service providers. And like, so this is their total background, right? Is like talking about sex and safe sex and all the practices around it. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a really common thing that Sonia and Natasha would talk about this stuff. So Natasha has this partner. So Natasha who lives with cerebral policy is also having sex with someone and it's very casual. Um, she's got no interest in this person being a boyfriend. She's got no interest in procreating with this person. And so Sonia ends up, or I'm sorry, Natasha ends up becoming pregnant and Natasha's like, um, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah, we talk about having safe sex all the time. Like why in the world were you not having safe sex with this person? Right. And Natasha says my disability. And again, Natasha lives with, with cerebral policy says my disability makes sex hard already positioning, um, you know, just positioning my physical body and stuff. And she said, I just didn't want to make a big deal about using condoms because I was already making a big deal about how to sexually position myself as a person with cerebral palsy. And the author of this book, Sonia, basically goes on to say, you know, you hear someone's truth and it strikes some deep part of our humanity, Um, our own hidden shames, and it can be easy to recoil into silence. So in this case... Natasha recoiled into silence and saying, Hey, I'm not going to ask him to use a condom because I'm already asking him, Hey, can you make accommodations for my body? And so Sonia looks at her and is like, You know, hey, like it is it, it, your body is not an apology.
0: Yeah. Re- read the part really quick where it says, We struggle to hold. That's pretty powerful. Go ahead. We struggle to hold the truths of others because we have so rarely had the experience of having our own truths held.
1: Yeah. So in this case, Natasha was having trouble saying to this partner, hold my truth. (sighs) Yeah. And my truth is that I I live with cerebral policy and I need you to wear a condom she was too scared to ask him to hold both of those truths at the same time. Yeah. And so she, um, and and anyway, so that's where Sonia says to her, listen, your body is not an apology. And here it goes on. And so many things that I learned in this book is that research is going to, and this is, listen, I'm not going feelings here. This is where Kim goes into her safety space of like, let's go into all the data Data, to explain why I feel the way that I feel or anybody feels the way they feel. So research suggests that women with poor body image derive less sexual satisfaction from sex due to distracting thoughts about their bodies. Furthermore, women with body image issues are less likely to initiate sex. So what makes us feel bad about our bodies. So I want to get into, like, we're going to get into some stuff from like media because everybody knows that I work for media at this point. So there's this whole thing in this book that I really, 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 oh, and I actually do need the book because that's where all my, oh, oh, look at you. I got to put a light on though.
0: <laughs> you got it. We'll I, don't have
1: a, I don't have my glasses. I don't have a light on. Hang on one second. Let me put the lights on folks. This would be time to like, I don't know, hit pause for a second. Um, because this information is actually really, really eye opening to me. Oh, thank you, baby. Oh shit. And I still can't read it. So, um, Alex, if we had an editor, thank you, babe. Oh my God. You're the best. Okay. Okay. So we got to go into a little bit of the history of media here. Alex, are you, are you okay if I like go off on this for a little bit? Yep. Okay. Jump, go. So advertising. So the first newspaper advertisement, which appeared in the Boston newsletter, take a guess what year that was, Alex, that we got the first newspaper advertisement. Uh... The 1700s. You're right. The 1704. Oh, wow. I, I know that was a shot. Okay, good. So according to um, statistista.com, um, which in this, this website, it, gl- it trokes, it trokes, it tracks <laughs> global advertising spending and the worldwide advertising industry. So in 2018, do you want to take a guess how much money they spent on advertising? How much money was spent on advertising? 2018. How much do you think? 2018. Yeah. Um 3 billion dollars. Oh, yeah. 500 400 3.17 billion. Oh so uh, like almost 550 billion dollars. 500 and, billion dollars. 500 like almost 550 billion with a B. Okay, And that's to sell us everything from like pickles, rugs, breaks, beer, weight loss, anti-aging, skin, lighteners, muscles, like everything. Tens of thousands of completely useful and completely useless products and services. $550 billion. That was 2018, folks. Okay. So earnings, when we talk about like the beauty market, right? Which is like all the things about our bodies. So the global beauty market, how much do you think the earnings, just the earnings, so not advertisement. So advertisements we know are 550 billion. That's what they're advertising to us for all products. So earnings, so what these companies, the global beauty product earnings, what they actually earned in 2019, how much do you think they earned? The same? Almost exactly the same that you're very smart, Alex. I love you. Well, <laughs> okay. $532 billion is what they earned. So whether you're buying like hair dye or, or, you know, stuff to like conceal, um, the beauty sector is gross. Only, only beauty, only beauty, only beauty, only beauty is grossing dear listeners grossing. That means that's what the beauty industry is making. They are making as much money as the entire advertising industry spends.
0: That's gross.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to give you some more perspective. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So 532 billion, which is what the beauty industry earns. Okay. That is more than the gross domestic product of 170 nations. So what does that mean? Well, It means collectively, we are spending more on lipstick, shampoo, and tanning spray than the entire economic infrastructures of three-fourths of the planet's countries. And it also means that if we stopped buying beauty supplies, let's say like tomorrow, we would not only collapse, (laughs) we would basically tank the global economy. (laughs) Like, just sit with that for a second.
0: Yeah. I don't have any words on that.
1: Yeah. So uh, the exploration into advertising and media at its root is a critique of the exploitative nature of capitalism and consumerism. Our economic systems shape how we see bodies and the bodies of others. And they are ultimately inform what we are compelled to do and buy based off of that reflection.
0: See, and this is why we used to live in a cabin on the edge of a lake in the (laughs) middle of nowhere.
1: And never consume anything. Never. Yeah. So- You know, then you go on to consider that like what we identify as a female body type. So the way that it's portrayed in advertising, the ideal is only possessed by about 5% of American women.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So the average U S woman is five feet, four inches tall and weighs about 140 pounds. And the average like model that we use to like, for women to think about the way they should look is five feet, 11 and weighs 117 pounds. Just fucked up. It's really fucked up. So here I'm like reading this book, The Body Is Not An Apology. And one of the things that I just, I really, really, really loved about what she talks about in this book is this concept of a ladder.
0: Yeah, and this is obviously, if you're, it. It's this is regardless of your identity,
1: this is completely regardless of I, uh, of your identity. This is just, if you are in, if you, you've you got a body and yeah. the apologies that we feel like we are forced to make up of that body, right? So even going back to poor Natasha, who's living with cerebral policy and is like, I can't ask somebody to wear a condom because my body doesn't show up perfectly. Take a guess where this image of like what your body and who's banking on you to, to to make your body perfect. So the, the author goes on to say that, and this is what was really like when we start getting into, um, like, so now, you know, like all the facts, like there is an entire global industry that is, is, is banking on you basically feeling like shit about yourself so that you buy their product to somehow think that you're going to be better. And she talks about this concept of radical self-love, which if you think about like a ladder, Mm -hmm. right. And a ladder is kind of like what this global beauty standard is. Yeah, And so you're climbing a ladder and you're like, Hey, there's somebody always like above me or below me. So like, I might not be as beautiful as Cindy Crawford, but maybe I'm not like, What's the guy in Notre Dame that like lives in the tower and like, like I'm not the hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame, right? Like I'm somewhere in between Uh, on that ladder. (laughs) There's somebody above me, which is Cindy Crawford. And there's, there's somebody below me. And I'm constantly buying things to try to climb up to that Cindy Crawford level of like, Hey, I'm beautiful. So now I get to be in my body. I get to enjoy sex and I get to tell a dude to wear a condom. right? And so what she goes on to talk about is radical self-love. And what radical self-love invites you to do is to basically say that ladder is not real. Uh-huh. That ladder that I'm climbing about what my body needs to look like to enjoy anything. And that's where I think you are saying like, Hey, this is, this is not just about being male or female, or it's not just about if you're a, a person that identifies as transgender or cisgender, like it's all of us, right? Yes. If you say, I'm not going to do this ladder.
0: Yeah. I want to say really quick because this can be, and help me, help me maybe put this into better words, but shitty first draft. Thank you, Brene uh, Brene Brown. That transphobia will show up when people tell trans people, well, just accept your body as it is practice self-love. And it's like, and she talks about transgender bodies, like no, 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 no. Like that's, you can't do that to trans bodies or to non binary bodies. You can't just say, here's your body, deal with it. Right. Um, That's actually not radical self love. Radical self love is that person choosing to love their body by choosing to do what they want to their body, what
1: they want to do with it. Yes. So it's also that like your sense of worthiness and enoughness and inherent divinity. Is not necessarily about your body or where your body ranks on some ladder. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I, I really love what she wrote about that. She said when she realized that she didn't need the ladder, cause she understands as her birthright, she understands how she arrived on the planet in her own unique form of natural intelligence. Mm-hmm. The ladder no longer has any use. The ladder is imaginary. The ladder is there to give me a thing that I was born with. So what do I need it for? What do any of us need the ladder for? If we understood where we came from and everything we need, can't we just be what we're destined to be? Yeah. So the book is, is, is just, she makes this comparison too that. If we all divested in this ladder, Mm -hmm. right. And, and we all said like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to be this is how I, this is how I identify. This is how I want to move. This is how I want to experience sex. This is how, like right now I'm obsessed with Julia child's cooking and I want to experience food. And I really don't fucking give a shit what it does to my body. My life is bigger than dieting and what size jeans I wear. Right. Um, if we did all do that though, um, we would completely like cripple the global economy, (laughs) which tells you just how much like we've been conditioned to think. That our bodies somehow hold this worthiness of what we are. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm just kind of thinking, like, so where do you begin? How does this apply to the future future generations and how they view?
1: Yeah. So she goes in a little bit to like what radical self love looks like. Yeah. And so she says, you know, giving yourself permission to be exactly as you are, um, witnessing and integrating parts of yourself with curiosity not judgment.
0: Yes. That was a huge part of my, of navigating. Once I figured out that I was non-binary it, with that word witnessing,
1: tell me more about that. Just,
0: just witnessing and not judging how I, how I felt. Cause I'd spent so long, like, well, you shouldn't feel this and you shouldn't feel that and this person is saying you're awful. And this is the, this, this, this it's like, it took, it took a while, but just witnessing like sitting next, I guess I'm saying witnessing, but but that word was really powerful. That I imagined I was sitting next to myself, and now, oh, yeah, and okay. Now it's more like, well, when it as it started because I I separated them out. Well, if this is who I who I am and who I want to be, what I'm doing right now is not me. So I'm gonna put who I want to be right next to me, and I'm gonna kind of like witness myself, and then eventually. I'll integrate that, right? <laughs> well, it's I
1: guess that's a really like I, I also kind of go to the things that I say to myself about myself. I would never say to a friend that was sitting next to me, I would never think yeah. those things about them. I would never. so why am I using this language in my own head? Yeah, right. Yeah. Kim, you're you you, you you're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough. You've got wrinkles. You've got to inject poison into your face. Yeah. Um, you better go dye your hair. Like if for, you got to do all these things to feel worthy yeah. of, of joy, of, um, ecstasy of, of, of anything to do with the physical self. And I'm like, I would, you know, if my best friend who lives across the street from us, like if she was to say, Hey, I feel like because of the way that my body shows up in this world, I'm not deserving of like joy and ecstasy. I'd be like, Oh, we got to like get a bottle of wine and sit on your porch and, and talk about this because yeah. you deserve everything. But yet the voice in my head, I'm constantly debating whether or not my body shows up in a physical way to experience joy. Yeah. That's really fucked up. Well, and I I would love to,
0: to discover, to find out if there's like a, like somewhere, if there's a, a conversation between Sonia and, and, and Brene, because yeah. Brene in her work, she talks about that we're wired to compare for survival. Okay. And then it's just, she's like, as humans, like we're, it's just how we're wired. Like you just have to accept that we will always, always compare. And she specifically talks about the latter of the above and the below. And, um, and so it's like, well, if we're wired to compare to basically like stay alive, um, where does all this <laughs> connect? Like, where does it fit together? Like, it's just really, well, and is what there, are we going for?
1: If, if we're wired to compare, but that comparison shouldn't detract from joy.
0: Right. Yeah. And people, obviously, our systems capitalize on us being miserable, <laughs> And okay, well then now let's buy this, this thing that will make you.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, and that's actually her next point on radical self-love, which is opting out of the multi-billion dollar belief system that tells you, you have to be thinner, prettier, more accomplished or more money or so on and so on and so on. And in order to be worthy of love and acceptance. So ask yourself, what do I really need right now and honoring that? Yeah. I've been asking, um,
0: yeah, it's like a, a, th- a thing we do with our kids. Like, like, okay, ask yourself, like at bedtime, I'll ask the kid. This is kind of like off a little bit but connected, but you know, what do you need right now? Yeah. And honoring their so they can like start to think like, okay, what do I it's is kind of a weird example, but even as simple as like, you know, well, like we're gonna read a book and we're gonna do this, but you know, it's teaches them to reflect on what do they need right now
1: yeah I I think you know if here's my worry is that someday I'm gonna be you know facing my last breaths because I am all of us are yeah that's inevitable death and taxes yeah <laughs> and I don't want to be taking in my last breaths feeling like I didn't do things. Because I felt my body wasn't worthy of it. <sighs> Babe. Right? Yeah. So I wonder like, how many times do you think like, well, I'm not going to go play in the the pool with my kids. I don't want to be in a bathing suit. Or how many times like there's like, hey, everybody gets together for a group picture and I hide in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times maybe I put a t-shirt on when I had sex with you? Because I'm like, I don't know that I want Alex to see this part of my body right now, you know, that's mm-hmm. like the thing that's really sitting with me from this 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 book, and probably why I avoided reading it for so long. Yeah, is that somehow I have bought into an industry that's told me an extra five pounds somehow detracts from my worthiness of just experience. Hmm. Hmm. So. I'm a cisgendered woman that's going through this. I, I totally recognize that for anybody that has had the courage to basically say like, I am not the sex assigned to me that at birth, I am this divinity in a human, the courage and the awe and the beauty of that. I, I, I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about you. Like how much courage do you have to have as a person to be like, yeah, I'm going to fuck everything that was told to me. I'm just going to be me. And in a lot of times in a world that is constantly trying to dehumanize and regulate who you are.
0: Yeah. The word destabilize comes up too. Yeah. Like the world to intentionally tries to destabilize my knowingness. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, nope, not anymore. Fuck you all. I know exactly who
1: the fuck I am. So it just makes me say, Alex, like, hey, listeners, like, but maybe, I just, God, it's like, maybe we could see our non binary and transgender folks as the truly courageous and beautiful human beings because they've been able to accomplish something many of us have not. Well, that's a thought. That's my thought for today. Yeah. I'm just gonna remind you again how much I love you. I love you too. You're kind of badass. <laughs> not kind of <laughs> not kind of you are.
0: Kind of A little bit.
1: You got anything else for us here? Um
0: I think I think I wrote this. I'll I'll read this little quote um as we wrap up here on page 49. Um For others whose identities and bodies are more profoundly policed and erased by society, transgender non-binary bodies, um, the desire to have those identities seen and affirmed is an essential aspect of radical self-love journey. Actions are important. We learn more about ourselves when we learn about, learn our motives less about judging ourselves for what we do, but compassionately ask ourselves why I'm a loud proponent of being unapod- unapologetically adorned. So like, if you want to do a full face of makeup and do your hair to go to the gym, got like, go for it. That if that's radical self-love for you, like, mm-hmm. you know, that we're all basically like we each get to decide mm-hmm. what is radical self-love. What, what do we, um, Yeah. And, um, I remember understanding that my why was, I just want to be myself. Yeah. That's all I want to do. I'm just trying to, and, and, um, but people really don't like that. (laughs) People, (laughs) when you fuck the system, and defy all of their illusions of Mm -hmm. what they have been (laughs) taught of what it means to be human.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to play by that anymore because I just, I'm just going to be me and you happen to anyway. It's, um, so, uh, it's very freeing. It's also, uh, extremely difficult, (laughs) but yay for, I mean, yay. As you as you said, um I don't know, but yeah, just
1: we're the you kind of the badasses. We're the, we're the badasses, okay. Well thanks, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All the love in the world out there, because God knows right now y'all are dealing with a lot of bullshit that you shouldn't have to deal with. So there's my love to our non-binary transgender community. We hear you. We see you. We love you.
0: Yeah. Go check out this book. Um, we didn't even get to body terrorism. So <laughs> we'll get there another time. Cause that was a whole section that I completely highlighted all of it.
1: <laughs> Again, it's when you read a book that's so good. That you highlight everything in the book <laughs> yeah and i was like i totally
0: terrorized my own body oh no,
1: shit i don't alright you all right y'all alex close us out
0: all right balls of magic we love you so much thanks yes, for listening do. you can find us on balls of magic on facebook and uh, is that what we are um i feel well, like
1: i should know this stuff
0: ha- well how to be queer <laughs> on facebook okay ba- balls of magic yeah. on Instagram noted. Okay. Um, but they're both kind of like, they're connected. Okay. So either one, um,
1: is it bad? I don't know where social media looks?
0: It's fine. I just you
1: do. Like it's, not <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, it's fine. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll get on it. We'll get so, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, we love hearing from you. Um, all the things, how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. Go check out youth scene at youth seen.org and black pride, Colorado.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I think it's time for we are gonna go watch either julia Julia and Julie, or we're totally back into selling sunset.
0: Yes. <laughs> Jammy time.
1: Okay. Love y'all.
0: Jammy time, unapologetically owning our bodies. All right. It's L- almost our time too. <laughs> Peace be with you. Balls of Magic. We love you. Bye.